Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. I'm going to, uh, I want to share a message today. This is going to be an overflow of my, uh, of our Wednesday night men's Bible study. I was teaching uh, this past Wednesday night, and um, this message just, just kind of stands out because it talks about something really, really important, vital in the body of Christ if, if we are to continue to move forward. But I'm going to also make some, I'm going to put an area of focus on it that is not apparent here as far as uh, the Apostle Paul's talking about it's about unity and i'm going to talk a little bit about relationships i'm going to bring it even down to marriage but he gives some instructions um, on that i think there is a battle for unity in the body that that goes from the church all the way down into our individual lives and our and in marriage relationships and family relationships Sometimes when we think about the church, we think about what happens here on Sunday. But, but this building is not the church. You and I are the church. And if you are married, you are the church. If you're an individual, you're still part of the church. And unity is absolutely vital if God is going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in the earth today through his body, through the body of Christ, through the church, and, and do what he does in the kingdom. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to kind of just break in and break this thing down a little bit. Um, division always opens the door for the enemy. And again, sometimes we think about division, we think about church. And many of us have been through, you've seen divisions in church and been through divisions in church. But I think sometimes we discount division happening within our own personal relationship with the Lord where unity is required and marriage relationships where unity is required family relationships where unity is required if we're going to walk as the body of Christ. Are you, are you with me so far? So we've got to learn how to do this. And so the title of the message is, is just a house not divided. A house not divided. And when I'm talking about the house not divided, this house, our house, our, our individual houses, whatever it is, a house not divided, there is absolutely a power the power of the Holy Spirit is released in, a, in an individual's life when we are not divided in our relationship with the Lord. And the only way to not be divided in our relationship with the Lord is that every answer to what His commands is, yes, sir. Does that make sense? Because when, when we see His command and then we decide that one's not for me, I don't want to do that, we have just divided ourselves. Doesn't mean that God has left you. It just means that we have just divided ourselves from, from what he has called us to do and our impact 
um, becomes nothing. So we have to line ourselves as individuals with him first and let that impact everything else we do. Look at, uh, look at verse 1 in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life. What's that word? To live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, when I look at this word worthy, I think about things that I have heard um, over the years, believers say in an attempt to appear humble, and that is, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of anything. I'm just not worthy of anything. I understand where, where we're coming from on it because in our flesh and within ourselves, we're not worthy of anything, but we have been made worthy by Jesus. He has, and what does that mean? He's put a worth on us. He's put a value on us. Here's, here's the definition, worthy. Having worth that matches actual value. He's saying, I want you to walk worthy of the calling that you have received. What is that calling? That calling is to be a child of God. That calling is into the kingdom of God. That calling is as a child, son or daughter of God. We've been called into his family. We've been called to be his child. And he's saying, I want you to walk worthy of that calling. And in, in, in studying Ephesians, and, and we've had a good time in, men's, in the men's uh, Bible study on this, because Paul spends the first part of the letter explaining the value that Jesus put up on our lives. See, he's, he, from the very beginning of, of the, the book, he starts out with that you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms in Christ. So as believers, that va the, he, had, he placed a value on us, and then he put all the spiritual blessings available inside of us. Does that make sense? Since we were adopted into, and this is all in just in the first chapter of Ephesians, because Paul knows he has to drive home and get the people to begin to realize you are not who people tell you you are. You are not what the world says you are. You're who I say you are. And when you, become, when you walk out who I say you are, the whole world's going to see it. He says, he says, you have been adopted into, you and I have been adopted into the family of God. As Gentiles, we, we didn't have any of the promises. We didn't have any of any part in the things that God was doing as we read in the Old Testament. And yet God, through Jesus Christ, has invited us as Gentiles to be part of his family. Is that a beautiful thing? We've been invited in as Gentiles who were without hope, without promise. We've been invited into the family. And so now when we put our faith in him, we become sons and daughters. My children have a great worth to me. A great worth. They, they don't even know the worth that they have to me. And I think a lot of times we don't know the worth that we have to the Lord. He says that we have been made holy and righteous through Jesus. This is all just Ephesians. We've been, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Our, our, our future, our forever is already settled when we come to Jesus and put our faith in Him. He prays and says, Give them the spirit of wisdom so we have access to 
the wisdom of God to the revelation of this. All of that is in the beginning of this thing because he's setting a foundation. And he says, you walk worthy of the calling that you have received from the Lord. And so it's like, okay, he's just saying, live it out. If you're a child of God, act like one, right? That's what, is that, isn't that what Paul's saying? If your God, if your father is God Almighty, act like it, live it out. If we walk around all the time worrying, scared to death and worrying about everything, what does that say to the world about our father? He can't be trusted. He's absent. He's nowhere around. We can't depend on him for anything. That's what we say. But he said, walk worthy of the calling, the calling to be a child of God. Look to your father and believe him and believe in his power, believe in his faithfulness, believe in his love, and walk that out every day. Are only two of you getting this, or is, or is it just... Walk it out. You've been made righteous. We have been made righteous and holy. Walk it out. See, when you realize who you are, then you begin to, you don't come to this place to say, but what can I do to get, where is the line of sin? The question never becomes, is this sin? The question becomes, is this wise? And is this going to help me in my relationship with the Lord? Does that make sense? So that, that's, that's the relationship that God wants to have with us. Not we're saying, what can I do and get by with it? What can I do and not go to hell? No, it's, it's, it's coming to the Lord and saying, you know what? He placed a gigantic worth on me. Not one I deserve, but he gave it to me. And because he put that worth on me, I'm going to walk it out. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? You all can't. I can, but you can. I mean, this is some... We'll never be perfect. But every day we should be trying to walk out the worth that he's put on us. Every day. Y'all watch out. I just drank some more preaching juice. I, I used that first part up. Look at... Um, Look at verse, verses 2 and 3. If you're taking notes, write this down. Because this is, this is the process of having a house not divided. We have to put forth effort. And here is a process. And the first part of this process is this. Number one. Anybody see that? Paul says, I, God's desire, the impact of the church, the power of the church, really all hinges on our ability to walk in unity. The power in a family, the power in marriage, is really hinges on our ability to walk in unity. Now, I can't make you walk in unity with me, and you can't make me walk in unity with you. And we'll all go through this life and meet people and be involved with people who there's absolutely nothing that we can do other than our part, and, and that's it. You can't force love on anybody. Am I right about that? 
And if it's forced, it's not love at all, right? But the first thing we have to do, because this is usually the last thing we do, when I sit down for marriage counseling, usually the first session is with each party telling me what's wrong with the other. And how if they would straighten their part up, everything would be okay. Right? But Paul says, let me give you the path. The first thing you do is you've got to check your own attitude. Because if you don't check your own attitude, you're never going to get anywhere. You will not make it. So you have to sit down and check your own attitude. And how do we do that? Look, look what he says. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, make every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that can bring us into unity. Even though we are, there is diversity among the body, He can still bring unity. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. But make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Who gives us peace? Jesus. When we have a relationship with Him, only He can give us peace, right? And so He says, I'm going, to say, I'm going to mention this one first, but he said, make every effort. Now, if somebody tells you to make an effort, don't you realize right up front that, okay, this means that, that uh, it's not going to be easy? That there could be some moments and times when it's not easy? That I have to put forth energy? That I have to put forth effort to make it happen? Right? See, a lot of times we just want our spouse to lay unity in our lap. And what that looks like to us is they just agree with everything we say. Is that unity? That's not unity. I don't know really what that is. We'll figure that out. We'll come up with a name for that later. But that's not unity at all when you demand someone else do it your way and then say, well, we're doing, we're, we're doing it. We're unified. No, 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 no. That, that's not it at all. So we're going to have to realize up front, there's going to be some work involved, there's going to be some effort involved, and there's going to be some energy involved. And he says, be completely humble. So it all starts out with humility. And if humility is absent, it ain't going to happen. You're not going to get there in any situation. You're not going to get there in a church where, where there's an issue, where there's division uh, until humility is involved. You're not going to get there in a family until humility is involved. You're not going to get there in a marriage until humility is involved. And the only thing that you can do is bring humility into that relationship yourself. You cannot force humility on somebody else. But I've learned over the years that humility begets humility. A lot of times if you come into a situation with humility rather than an argumentative spirit, you're inviting humility. You're inviting a, 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 a softer response in the conversation. But if you come in all fired up and all angry and, and ready to get your way with a little bit of pride involved that, that, that it's your spouse that is wrong, not you. This is one of those messages that I often wonder, how do, 
because I can preach this, and lo and behold, after, this, after it's over, somebody, a couple will ask me if they can talk to me out here, and, and then they'll start the very thing that I'm talking about. And sometimes I just wonder what. <laughs> I guess it keeps me in a job. But if there's some kind of a longing in our heart to, to just really nail this thing down, even in a church, humility has to be involved. Listen to this, listen to this verse in Philippians chapter 2 um, to kind of give us an idea on humility. He says, do nothing, is verses 3 and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. How many arguments have you had in your marriage that were based on selfish ambition? I want what I want. Y'all good. Y'all really good. Poker face. <laughs> Rather, in humility. Now, he's going to give us an idea of what humility looks like. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest. How many marriages fall apart because we're looking into our own interest? Not looking into your own interest, but to the interest of others. Now, think about this. He says in the very first part, don't be self, don't have selfish ambition. Secondly, don't have vain conceit, feeling like, well, I'm right, I'm always right. If you straighten your act up, everything will be okay. Vain conceit. In humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own selfish interest again. So you get the picture that, that with, with pride, our whole world is about me and my desires and what I want and what makes me happy and what makes me feel good and what makes me feel complete. And humility is on the other end of that that says God is the one who makes me complete. God is the one who completes my love. God is the one who completes everything about me. And now because I have found my completeness in him, I, can, I have something to give to you, not just always be taking from you. Ain't that good? I'm not even going to come down there and amen myself. But, but that's good right there, ain't it? It's tough. It's hard to do, but it's good. And I have seen in relationships over the years how when we respond, especially men, when we respond as Jesus in the family, when we realize that in the marriage, we're the Jesus in the marriage, and when we respond that way, I have seen so many marriages over the years. Well, she, she won't respond. She, I, I was acting like Jesus, and she didn't come around. Well, how long did you do it? Well, at least two or three months. How long is Jesus acting like Jesus? He's still doing it, right? He's still doing it. There's no end. You just keep on doing it. And, and if they leave, they, they leave. You just love them till they leave. I don't know that didn't sound right. Erase. Then he says, be gentle. 
So I think we can ask the questions, am, do I have an attitude of humility toward others, toward my spouse, toward my family? And am I gentle toward others, toward my spouse, toward other people, toward my family? Am I gentle? And, and I started thinking about that, being gentle. Gentle is not wimpy. Jesus was the gentle Savior, but he was no wimp. Gentle is the ability, I think gentle is the ability to, to live your life in such a way that you do not have to have somebody else to define who you are. You are able to live your life so full, so complete, that even when somebody else is mean to you, you are able to have a gentle response because you know who you are. When you know who you are in Jesus, you've got, you've got nothing, nobody can build anything on top. You know who you are. Now I can respond in gentleness. I don't have to win an argument. I don't have to win this thing. Why? Because I'm walking with him. I'm in unity with the Trinity. So I can respond in gentleness. And I think in a way that is being able to respond without being offensive. I think gentle offensiveness is not being gentle. That is, if I come with intentions to offend now, don't get me wrong. We live in a society today where we all walk around offended by something. And we dare other people to offend us. And I'm not going to fall in. If I fell into not talking about anything that offended anybody, I would just have to stand up here for 45 minutes and wave at you guys. And that could even be offensive to somebody if they maybe have lost an arm and can't wave. And, and, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm serious about that. That's the mindset that has come into our society. That's not the body of Christ. Now, will we offend people? We will offend people, but the word has to do the offending, not us. We need, and he, he says this later, we need to speak the truth in love. We speak the truth in love. If they're offended by the truth that we speak in compassion and love, didn't Jesus do that? Were not some of the Pharisees very much offended at Jesus because he stood and he spoke the truth? Hello, anybody with me? They were very much offended toward him. Did Jesus say, oh, I am so sorry I offended you? No, what he did was I'm speaking what the Father says and, and I'm going to speak it in love and I'm going to show my love, but I am not going to carry the weight of that around. I think gentleness says, I'm not going to offend you on purpose. I'm not going to go around every time we have an argument and say, I'm going to leave you and I'm going to get a divorce. There's some people live in marriages that have absolutely no security because some people use as manipulation and leverage every time there's an argument I'll just get a divorce. Now, is, is that free? Are you free to do that in America? Sure. Is it what God wants for us? No. So we just got to learn whose kingdom we live in and in, in, in the drumbeat that we march by, and it's not the world, it's, it's Jesus, right? Look at the next one, he says, and be patient. Be patient. And, and along with that, I think 
part of being patient is not, not being easily offended. Being gentle is not choosing to offend people. Being patient, I think, is, and, and it's broader than that, but just for the sake of where we are at the moment, I think is choosing not to be easily offended. Choosing not to be easily offended. Are you seeing already how some of these things, if we, do a, if we look within ourselves first, and we, and we check our own attitude first, the impact it could have, on our marriage, on our relationship, on our relationship with God, on the body of Christ, on our family. Do you see that? Y'all making it tough on me. I can't get anybody to talk to me. I need y'all to talk to me, okay? Number two. Oh, and, and, and bear with each other in love. That, that's the last. Bear with each other. You ever, heard, you ever had somebody say, bear with me? Bear with me, I've had a bad day. Bear with me, I've had a bad month. Bear with me, I've had a bad year. Bear with me, I've had a bad life. Just bear with me. And he says, okay, yeah, our answer, yeah, I'll bear with you. I'll bear with you in love. I'm going to bear with you in love. Look at number two. Look at what you have in common. Look at what you have in common. This part is not going to seem marriage-wise. And, and this whole message is not just about marriage, but I, I, I so wanted to, to really help us see that marriages are affected the same way. But it affects everything. But look at verse four, verses 4 through 6. There is one body. There is, this is what we have in common. Rather than spend all of our time arguing about all, and, I, and, and this, is, this is the body of Christ in general in this country. It's ridiculous how believers from other churches and other thought can't get along. It's ridiculous. But why is it? Because we're focusing on the wrong thing. We're not looking at what we have in common. And we have these things in common in marriages. There's one body and one spirit. What is the body? the body of Christ, right? There's one spirit, the Holy Spirit, as you were called to one hope. Jesus gives us hope. When you were called, one Lord. Who is that one Lord? Jesus. One faith. There's only one faith. There's only, only one faith, one way into this relationship with Jesus Christ. One baptism. One God and Father uh, of all who is over all and through all and in all. Do we focus on what we have in common? Because in a, in a marriage relationship, we've almost adopted in our society that church is one thing and marriage is another, and we've made sure that there's a separation between church and state. Church and the state of my life. Are you with me? So we make sure we keep a separation. But, but, but he's telling us here, listen, even in your marriage, think about this. When you're about to, to, to 
argue, you've already checked your own attitude, which is what makes this powerful. If you haven't checked your own attitude and then you come into one faith, one baptism, one Lord, one spirit, one Father, the Trinity, if you haven't already checked your own spiritual attitudes, this is going to mean nothing to you because you're still going to be focusing on them and all their problems. But once you come down through this place of humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with each other in love, your heart is ready now to see what you have in common. And what we have in common is our personal intimate relationships with the Lord. We have in common that we are a part of one body. We have in common that, our, that God is our Father, that Jesus is our Lord, that the Holy Spirit is God that lives inside of us. We have that in common. And how does that impact the marriage? When there are problems in the marriage and we realize that these problems are bigger than us, it just feels like there's no hope. Well, yeah, there is one hope. Right? There is hope. We just read it. There is one hope. What is that hope? That hope is that. The Lord sits right in the middle and ready to give us wisdom and help. The Holy Spirit indwells us and he is ready at any moment. He just has to have us in a state to where we can receive what it is that he wants to do in our life. And if we stay in a state of angst, if we stay in a state of anger, if we stay in a state of unforgiveness, if we stay in those states, we're never going to experience the fullness of what he has for us. And so he said, focus on the thing you have in common. Sit down as a husband and wife and realize that, that, flesh, and, that, that flesh and blood is not your problem. It's, it's the spirit behind it trying to mess with your home, trying to mess with your marriage, trying to mess with your church, trying to mess with your family. It's the spirit working behind who absolutely loves division because when he can divide a marriage, when he can divide a home, and when he can divide the church, he wins. He, ma he, he makes impact. When he can divide you from your walk with him, he he wins. Not totally he doesn't win. He just wins a, a battle. But we know he loses, right? But he just wins this battle. And we've got to make sure that we don't let him win battles. And so we realize that what's going on here is there's more to be seen than meets the eye. It's not that, that she does this, 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 and this. And though there could be room for improvement, or he does this, 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 and there could be room for improvement, you never get to the place of improvement by just merely demanding it. You get there through humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with each other in love, focusing on what you have in common. Would you rather have a clean house or a godly wife? Hello. Some of you not quite sure yet? Hmm, bud, let me think about that. I, I, I'm blank. I... Would you rather have something? Would you rather have this, whatever this is, or a godly man? We know the answer. Just say godly man. Let me move on. Number three. Accept and appreciate your God-given differences. Accept and appreciate your God-given differences. Now, you see what Paul's done here? 
He's moving along. He said, first, you've got to look at yourself. You've got to check your own attitude. You've got to see what's going on in your own life before you ever sit down and start pointing fingers at her or him or them. Sit down and work this thing through in your own life. And once you've done that, now you can really begin to focus on the spiritual side of things where really everything belongs. That's the priority in our, in our relationship. Now we're looking at the right things. And he's saying, at this point, Uh, Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ, what's this word? Apportioned it as he gave it. If Jesus gets to decide who gets what, we don't get to decide that. So number three is accept and appreciate your God-given differences. He made us different. Diversity and unity don't have to be separate. We can, there can be diversity, yet we walk in unity. And that's what he's called us to, right? Your wife is different than you. You should be thanking God for that. Your husband is different than you. You should be thanking God for that. Only the Lord gets to choose who we are and the gifts and the talents that we have. He gets to choose. He's the one put stuff in there, in our DNA. He, he gets, he's God. But sometimes, you've heard the saying, opposites attract, right? And most of us are together because opposites attract. But then a few years, opposites do what? Attack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean... You, you were drawn to him because he was nothing like you. You have a hard time talking to people. He's the life of the party. You were drawn to that. You're, you're, you are, you're very shy and he's not. You were drawn to that. Or you as a husband, you're shy and she's not. You were drawn. There were things about them that you were drawn to. Now what Paul's talking about here, and, and he goes on to begin to explain it, is that, there, that God puts things together and he gives different gifts and jobs for order. Because there is an order to things. Now, if you get jealous because someone, someone here is doing this ministry and blessed to do this and gifted to do this, but you don't get to... You get jealous about that, it impacts the unity of what? Of the church. Or as a husband or a wife, if you get jealous about something that the husband or wife has, an ability. I can remember a time when men would get terribly offended if their wives made more money than them. I don't know a man alive now that gets offended by that. (laughs) But it used to happen back in the day. We accept the differences that God has given us. Give you, for instance, following, this, following these passages right here, if you keep on reading, you've got two minutes. Paul says that Jesus gave pro, um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the body of Christ to equip the people to do the work of ministry. You following with me? That's an order. That's an order of how things are supposed to go. 
when we play ignorance, when we pretend we don't know what the order is, you have churches that can't stay together. You have families that can't stay together because we think we know more. Give you, in, in churches, we hire a pastor. And we feel like, okay, I'm a member, therefore I get a benefit. We don't do membership here. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. As a citizen, you have a responsibility. As members, we just feel like, well, we're here for you to give us something. We're not members. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. But the church only functions properly when we accept the order that Jesus has laid out. Are you with me? The order that Jesus has laid out is, no, we don't hire a man to go out and do all the work. We don't hire a man to show up at the hospital or a woman to go up and show up at the hospital and, and, and do all, all the stuff that has to be able to do all the home visitation. I remember a family that got offended because I didn't come visit in their home. I said, you know what? There's probably very few people that I have been in their home, only some of my dear friends that I have in this church that I have been in their home because I don't, why? Because my job is to equip the saints that I do every Sunday morning when I stand here and every Sunday morning when I'm teaching or every Wednesday night when I'm teaching, I am equipping, I'm equipping, I'm equipping. Now your job is to go do the work. But when we get arrogant and think, that we're smarter than God and we're going to do it different. And that's why you see in the Bible Belt so many churches that can't grow. Why? Because we think we're smarter than God and we're going to do it our way and we're going to hire one man and we're going to make him do the work. Can't happen. Why? Because it's out of order. Gee, there's an order for a reason. And he says it's going to result. Keep on reading that. He says it'll result in the maturity of the body. Are you with me? When you do my order, it'll result. When we accept the order in the home, that the husband is Jesus. Hello. And that the wife represents the church. That's order. You tracking with me? That order works. Jesus loves, Jesus serves, Jesus sacrifices, and the church responds. And I feel this sinking in with somebody. The church responds. You just keep loving. The church needs, every human being needs to be loved in Jesus came to do that, right? Every woman needs to be loved. Do we ever not respond to his love? I'm taking, I'm taking uh, three minutes of liberty. Do we ever not respond to the love of Jesus? Oh, so everybody's here telling me that you always respond properly to the love of Jesus. Is that what I'm hearing? But does he keep loving? Does he, do you ever see, does he ever just sit back and say, you know what, I'm not going to love you till you love me back. 
No, he doesn't. He just keeps, and that's our part, men. It's the order. It's not that just God's saying, well, I want you to have, God, he has an order. He has an order in the church. I'm going to put you leaders in places in the church, and those leaders are going to equip the people to do the ministry, and the people are going to go do the ministry, and maturity is going to come. And in the home, I'm going to put the man in there to be Jesus in the home, and the woman is going to represent the church, and that is my order. And when you do that, the marriage will mature. I promise you. I promise you it'll work. But we just got to tell him, you're right, Lord. Your word is right. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to check my own attitude and after I've gone through checking my own attitude, then I'm going to sit down and I'm going to look at what we have in common. And I'm going to sit down with my spouse. I'm going to sit down with my family. I'm going to sit down with my church and look at what we have in common instead of fussing about all the things that are not. And then what we're going to do is we're going to look at each other and we're going to see the differences and the diversity within us. And we're going to say, I really appreciate that you're like this. I really appreciate that God made you different than me. You think different than me. You look different than me. You're gifted different than me and I am so blessed that God made you that way and I am glad you're my wife and I am glad you're my husband because God made you for me Amen. Father we praise you we want unity we want to walk in the power of unity in your body that changes the world you're so focused on what's going on outside that we forget that, that how can we expect a country to be in unity when your body can't even walk in unity? But Lord, here we commit to walking in unity and we commit to checking our own attitudes and we commit, Lord, to finding what we have in common and we commit to, to knowing our differences and appreciating them and working those differences out so that your body, so that marriages and family can be mature in you. Holy Spirit, thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.